1: Welcome to View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. I want to thank you for listening on 103.1, or you may be listening later at one of your favorite podcasts or at the Super Talk Mississippi or Super Talk Coast Facebook page, uh, or you could be uh, listening at the uh, Super Talk Mississippi YouTube page. We try to be there however, whenever you, you want to listen to the show, and we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to uh, to, to listen in um, one of the things that I do here on Coastview as often as I possibly can is really celebrate the law enforcement heroes that are all all around coastal Mississippi. Uh, you probably heard in the news that they held a, a a memorial service just this past weekend for the two slain FBI special agents in uh, South Florida uh, Special agents Daniel Halfen and uh, Laura Schwarzenberger were shot and killed uh, last Tuesday, actually, when they were serving in a, a warrant for a child pornography case in the Miami area. These are two, agent, these two agents were heroes. So if you're a regular listener of COSIE, you know that I have spent a significant amount of time talking about uh, human trafficking, especially as it, Im- as it involves children, which is kind of hard to get your head around the notion of children and there being a market for children. Crimes against children are despicable, and among the worst that uh, enforcement officers must, must have to deal with on a daily basis. Their work in, uh, in Florida were, had pretty big impacts in coastal Mississippi and across the nation. That's why I want to honor them here this morning. FBI uh, Director Christopher Wray said of Schwarzenberger that she led a life of sheer determination, dedication, and courage of someone who really loved her work. He went on to say that she was part of a team that spends their days in darkness, confronting the very worst parts of humanity. It's a job with high stress, high emotional toll, and high uh, burnout. But Laura never stopped. Alphen was also involved in a large-scale FBI hacking campaign known as Operation Pacifier, designed to investigate crimes on the dark web and seize child pornography from a website called Playpen. Um, Alfin once said this about his work. It's the same with any criminal violation. As they get smarter, we adapt. We find them. It's a cat and mouse game, except it's not a game. Kids are being abused, and it's our job to stop that. They they, They both had distinguished careers investigating child pornography and sexual exploitation cases and were committed to finding and arresting those who were involved in the production of child pornography the receipt of child pornography and coercion and enticement of minors to engage in sexual activity. They were part of the FBI's child exploitation and human trafficking task force and conducted important work that uncovered terrible crimes against children. Schwarzenberger once led, uh, was a lead agent in what is called a sex torsion case that we, uh, that we can all, as parents and grandparents, learn some important lessons from. Her work led to a 50-year prison sentence for a man who posed as a teenage female to induce 300 boys to send sexually explicit photos and videos of themselves. Take note, parents. Always be aware of what's happening in your child's cyber world. God bless the families of FBI Special Agents Daniel Halfen and Laura Schwarzenberger. Uh, So now let's turn to Paige and uh, ask uh, our friend Ashley Edwards. The president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council to join us. Ashley, you, you heard my tribute, and I do spend a lot of time on human trafficking because, you know, there's a lot of focus. there's not as much outrage that you would expect. But the fact is, you know, it's it's a really important subject for our community. We're so fortunate though to have so many dedicated law enforcement agencies in coastal Mississippi who are working so hard every day to keep us safe, aren't we?
0: Absolutely. You know I, I come from a law enforcement family. My father was a Career law enforcement officer retired after 30 years, and uh, you know I I saw firsthand the toll it takes uh, on their lives. I mean, law enforcement officers—they live this. Uh, There's no, there's no getting off from work. This is part of their lives uh, every day. It becomes part of their families' lives, and they really are on the front lines against the evil uh, that exists in our society. So I I heard the story that you referenced. It's a, uh, it's it's a very tragic story, but uh, you know, thank God we have these men and women who are so selfless uh, and are willing to, to put them, their lives on the line uh, to protect all of us. It, it, really is a, it really is an amazing thing, and um, you know, thank God for all of them.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it could be from the attorney general of the state of Mississippi to a local officer, and all points in between, uh, the federal level, the state level, the local level there are so many, many activities that go on on a daily basis. Um, you know, there are investigations that are taking place. They're just, you know, patrolmen out, you know, trying to keep our streets safe, but it's so easy to take them for granted. I mean, they, cause they just, you know, you don't, you don't really see them until you need them or until someone else needs them or are they, you know, they're and, you know, coming out of the woodwork to, uh, to, to arrest someone who's doing some bad, but man, we're so fortunate, and uh, you know, again, here on Coastview, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate law enforcement every chance we get. You, um, uh, it's been a while since we talked on Coastview. How have you been?
0: I've been doing well. Happy New Year to you. I think the last time we talked was right around the New Year, so uh, it has been a while
1: now. Well, you know, uh, here we are. We flipped the cam- uh, the the calendar, but the the uh, pandemic continues. And uh, all, by all measures, if you look at the number of people that have been vaccinated with the second shot, uh, about 2% of the total population of America, and us needing to get to like 75 to 80% to get to herd um, uh, uh, immunity, we're going to be in this mode probably through the end of this year, unfortunately. But the good news is we've learned to operate in this environment. And as long as businesses continue to pay attention and uh, we stay focused on the health care profession and, and, and the, and the uh, pressures that are on them at any given time. You know, we've found a way to kind of ma- navigate through this. It's not the best scenario, but it's, it, you know, we're, as, as we've talked about so many times, we're resilient here in coastal Mississippi. We sort of you know, know how to take the cards that are dealt us. As a result of our incredible resiliency and adaptation and innovation, we've been able to limit the economic impact. But, but we're going to be in this mode for a while, aren't we?
0: Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately, you know, it's it's not uh, we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel just quite yet. But, uh, you know, there's lots of good news that abounds. Um, Case counts are going down across the country. Uh, You know, we're certainly seeing that in Mississippi. I was actually just last night, I was actually looking at some data uh, and some projection data. And, uh, you know, if if the trend of vaccination in Mississippi continues, uh, there's a lot of reason to believe that we could be down. 60, 70% 60, 70 percent in terms of our case counts by the May time frame, uh, which would be really good for us here on the coast. Uh, obviously that summer tourism season is so vitally important uh, to our local businesses to our gaming industry, and you know so we, we certainly want to make sure that we're in a position uh, that we can capture uh, what is likely going to be I think a, a pretty bold and, and uh, important uh, summer tourism season this year as Folks who have been vaccinated uh, start to venture out, start to travel. Uh, there's a lot of pent-up travel, a lot of pent-up spending, I think, uh, that, that's out there. And, uh, you know, I do think that we will see, as we've talked about before, a lot of automobile travel as opposed to uh, airline travel, uh, which bodes very well for us. And so, uh, you know, our ability to uh, continue on this path is, is really important. You know, I, I know you stress and I stress to everyone I talk to how vitally important it is. Uh, to take these vaccinations as they become available, because, you know, our ability as a region uh, to really be able to promote the safety of our region, to see our case counts go, go down, uh, to really make COVID more of a minor annoyance uh, than a major epidemic, which is which is what it has been. That's going to be so vitally important for that summer tourism season. And so, uh, you know, I'm certainly going to be vaccinated and my family will be uh, the minute that we have the ability to be. You know, thank goodness that we have uh, we've seen vaccinations now rolling out quickly across our frontline healthcare workers uh, to protect them. Uh, so it's just a matter of time here, but uh, you know, time is of the essence. So this is a place where you know we all have, I think, uh, the power uh, to help uh, to help put this thing away once and for all by getting our vaccinations, wearing our masks, continuing to be vigilant, and ensuring that our economic recovery and our businesses. Uh, Will be in a position to really seize on the opportunity that comes when we start to see large scale travel return.
1: That's a, that's a great review of kind of where we are, and I can't I can't agree more. Uh, I think Mississippi, you know, you can go like I'll give you an example. This county by county, you know, mask mandate. I, I, I think that's strange. I don't know why they just didn't have a mask mandate everywhere. Um, you, you can you can parcel it out and find criticisms, but as a general rule. The state of Mississippi has done really well economically. I think it's a number three in total recovery growth. Uh, and you look at things like the, the like the school system. You know, it's amazing to me that there are states in America that are still debating about whether the kids should go back to school or not. That's amazing to me. While we, uh, while we, both both uh, the the parochial schools and the and the public schools have uh, mostly not hit missed a lick. I mean, the innovation that's happened in education in Mississippi has just been incredible and. Think of the kids and the families that have been left in the lurch in some states that are still debating this subject. It's it's amazing to me. I think th- this, the, maybe the... Uh the headline here is that teachers unions um, are speaking a little bit too loudly, and for whatever reason, um, you know, people don't feel you know that they can push up against that. But you know, I'm glad we're not dealing with that in Mississippi. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Ashley Edwards, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the pandemic and what's happening at the Gulf Coast Business Council these days. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by
0: going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live.
1: This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super
0: Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Koshu. We have Ashley Edwards, the president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. And we're just kind of setting the stage for where we are in Mississippi and coast of Mississippi, around the nation, actually, as it relates to the COVID situation, the need to get vaccinated as quickly as possible. Hopefully that will continue to ramp up. You know, when we went to, when we went to break, though, we were talking a little bit about education. It is truly incredible, really. if You think about the way the uh, educational community, both both the private schools and the public schools, kind of embrace the need to innovate so that they could get kids back in classrooms. Certainly, a remote is an option for for kids and parents that feel vulnerable, but the majority of students have gone to the classroom, and the results have been incredible. I mean, the leadership in the education community uh, has been terrific, and as a result, families have not been left in the lurch. Working parents have not had to deal with uh, you know, the fact that some leaders would could have said we're not going to do school at all. And the reverberation of that is just incredible. But we're, we're lucky, aren't we, that we've got good leadership in the educational community.
0: We are very lucky. You know, I think that uh, undoubtedly one of the great decisions that was made last year was trying to get schools back into session as quickly as possible. Uh, it's important. You know, I, I've been impressed that the new administration, the Biden administration of Washington, has really taken the. Position that you know kids should be in school, and you know despite the fact that uh, you know we're seeing some changes to the way that they're approaching the uh, you know, the pandemic, uh, and there seems to be pretty wide agreement among the new administration that we need to have kids back in school. It was important in Mississippi, and you know I think the amazing thing about it, Ricky is there are a lot of concerns that these schools would just become huge vectors for transmission, and the data does not bear that out. What we've seen is that schools were able to reopen safely. Uh, You know, most of them have had uh, masks in place and all sorts of protective measures in place. Masks do work. I'm sure there are probably some listeners that you have that don't agree with that. But uh, let's just be let's be pragmatic and honest. Masks work Uh, and they've worked in schools and we've been able to do it successfully. So I think Mississippi, you know, once again, has set a great model uh, for the rest of the country and how you can continue to go through life uh, and do the things that are really important and not just important for the you know, for the parents that have to go to work and have jobs and keep the economy going. But, you know, so vitally important for the kids. Um, you know, I, my daughter, for one, you know, she's had there's been a couple of times when they've had kids in her class that have been COVID positive And she's had to be out for a week uh, in quarantine. And, you know, she can't stand it. She wants to get back to school so badly. Uh, and kids need to be in school. There's no doubt it has a it plays a tremendous role in their development. Uh, tremendous societal role, and I think we've done it right here in Mississippi.
1: Actually, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I mean, one, we've we've done a great job of bringing the economy back in the pandemic moment. And businesses have accepted the reality that they have to reconfigure the way that they deal with their customers and whatever to keep them safe. But our, our, our result has been terrific. However, there's still these outliers. A friend of mine posted a picture on Facebook. Over the weekend, in fact, it was Sunday during the Super Bowl. Uh, they were at a Super Bowl party at a bar in Bay St. Louis. I'm not going to name the name of the com- the company, uh, but um, but it was literally packed, shoulder to shoulder, as if the pandemic wasn't happening. I I it just blows my mind to still see things like that happening.
0: Well, it what what really concerns me about it, Ricky, and I, I see it too, and it just. You know, I I wish that people understood the cost that's associated with what they're doing. Um, You know, when you have these events where the spread happens uh, for every day that we continue to see, uh, you know, lockdowns in place for every day that we continue to see mandates in place. uh, You know, we could be we could be getting rid of this sooner if we would all just take a few weeks and sacrifice some things like not going to Super Bowl parties. Uh, You know, not going to Mardi Gras parties. I mean, the number of Mardi Gras balls and parties to me, um, it just, you know, to me, that's just ridiculous. And, you know, and I know that some people feel very strongly about wanting to do that, Uh, but it's not worth it because, you know, uh, for a night of fun to to think that the livelihoods of our small businesses could be impacted for weeks or months. Additionally, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And so from that perspective, I think this is one of those times where you have to take the personal responsibility just like you were talking earlier about these law enforcement officers. I mean, we have the ability here to be selfless. Uh, we have the ability to do something for our society, which we are seldomly called to do. Uh, and this is just one of those situations. And I, I view that as being an honor. It's an honor to be able to to do something selfless and to try to help society get back on its feet uh, rather than being part of the problem. And so, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I just call on folks in the coastal Mississippi to, to be smart and, and just do the things that make sense here. Uh, gathering and big gatherings right now doesn't make sense. And consider the fact the the impact that that's going to have on retail workers and food and beverage workers and others that have been out of work that have been struggling. Why do it at this point?
1: Yeah, I, the good news again, though, is the vast majority of businesses have adapted extraordinarily well, and they're, they're being extremely focused on keeping people safe and the vast majority of citizens of the coast of mississippi you know i went into a walmart the other day not a single person in the place uh was wearing no no face mask you know everyone was wearing a face mask so since we met last you have a new leadership group the board's about the same but w- william h jr now is the uh, chairman of the board and you've got some other leaders that have that have uh, come into uh fruition tell me tell me about you know what's been going on there
0: Absolutely. So, you know, we have a we have sort of a two year leadership cycle at the Gulf Coast Business Council in which we have our our chairman serves a two year term. And uh, of course, you know, John Harrison was was our chairman uh, for two years, followed up by Anthony Wilson of Mississippi Power. Anthony had a great two year stint, uh, you know, really led on a number of issues. And uh, and so Anthony's uh, chairmanship ended back in uh, in the beginning of January. And now we have William Yates of Yates Construction. William is a tremendous leader, uh, well known, not only across the, the state of Mississippi, but really across the country. Uh, you know, he was a former chair of the Mississippi Economic Council, did some really great things there. Uh, and William has come in with a great deal of energy. And so what we've really done uh, over this past month or so of William's uh, chairmanship is we have really focused on reaching out to business leaders across the community and, and having discussions with them about what their goals are. Uh, specifically how can the Gulf Coast Business Council uh, put into its program of work the the pieces that ultimately will lead to the outcomes that they want to see in coastal Mississippi. And it's such a great time for this sort of planning process, uh, because what we really see here is all this new opportunity that's going to come on the backside of COVID-19. You and I have talked a lot about how uh, the world is changing, the economy is changing as a result of this. And that's going to lead to opportunities for those that are proactive and those that want to get out in front of it. And so the Gulf Coast Business Council really wants to be uh, on the front end of that. I think that uh, I think what you will see over the course of the next couple of years with William Yates is, is some bold leadership. Uh, I think that you will see us weigh into some big issues in our state uh, and really be kind of unafraid to lead. I think that that is a great way to describe William. Uh, very much unafraid to lead. Very guided by doing the right thing. Uh, whether it's popular or not, uh, and making sure that we see the outcomes we need to see. And I think you've got him coming up on your show later this week. I'm sure he'll talk more about that. But I- I'm really excited about William's leadership and about uh, the things that we'll be able to do over the next couple of years as we start to work to implement uh, these plans we're putting into place now.
1: Well, we've talked about it on the show, you know, virtually every day that the, the role that leadership plays in coastal Mississippi at every level, you know, whether it's private sector or in, in an organization like the Coast Business Council, the Chambers, or nonprofit community. Uh, I mean, there, there are so many leaders that are working in every aspect of our lives to to improve it. And one of the things the Business Council was really focused on, and I'm looking forward to seeing this sort of continue to be worked on and go, come into fruition, is the whole notion of a strategic plan, how to best position Coastal Mississippi so we can take advantage of the new economy the opportunities, I would say that the, that the pandemic has actually increased the opportunities related to that, haven't they?
0: Absolutely. I, you know, you probably saw in the news last week a report that the city of Natchez has now instituted a program where they're trying to attract remote workers. Uh, that's something that we've been talking about for quite some time. and We were actually talking about before the pandemic came along. And so, you know, it, it's interesting to see that a place like Natchez that really has been has seen a, a, an economy that. Uh, has really struggled over the past decade or so, you know, has sort of taken up this this charge of uh, let's be a part of the change that we see happening. And, you know, I, I want to see more of that happen on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. We have the resources here uh, to do some pretty incredible things if we're, you know, if we're willing to step out and do some things outside the box. And so, uh, you know, I think that you're going to see uh, a, a very clear distinction between those Uh, that get it right on the back end of this pandemic and those that that sort of fall back on doing the way, doing things the way that things have always been done. Uh, And you're going to see some differences in places, I think, in terms of the ones that uh, really start to shoot out of the gate and the ones that lag behind.
1: Actually, you serve as chairman of a really important advisory committee as it relates to the BP money. Is there any news there?
0: Not not much new news. Uh, You know, they are in the legislative session right now. Generally, we don't see a lot of movement on the, uh, the spending of the BP money until you start to get later into the session of the appropriations process. I know that the Mississippi Development Authority has sent over all of the projects that were submitted this year to the legislature, so they've been uh, reviewing that. I've had some conversations with individual members of the legislative delegation. Uh, I really think that as we get into the March timeframe, we'll start to see that discussion ramp up uh, as they start to get towards the end of the session. Uh, they start to really choose their appropriations and they uh, start to really finalize those appropriation bills. And I think that's when we'll we'll start to really see that ramp up.
1: Well, we'll have you back uh, between now and then, and we'll spend just a show talking about why this is an important conversation and how it connects to the strategic plan that we just talked about. But anyway, this is Ashley Edwards, the president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. I appreciate you joining me, buddy.
0: Thank you, Ricky. I appreciate it.